This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and this is such a remarkable passage of Scripture. We're going to survey, as you can see in your notes, uh, a, a large section of it. But if you turn to the next page, I've given you just a few verses from the beginning of Luke chapter 24. We'll come back to the large section on the front page. Uh, but if you, if you turn where it says, Jesus is alive, which is the uh, title of the, of the talk today, and then you turn it over on the other side, uh, there are some Scriptures right here that begin with, and it came to pass. I don't know who needs to hear this, but this year has been a tough year. We've seen some of our church family for the first time in a year. It's been a tough year. But I want you to know this pandemic did not come to stay, it came to pass. And I want you to know whatever you're going through, it's not come to stay, it's come to pass. And I just felt led to say that. You might be watching online, You might be in the parking lot or in this room, and you just need to know that this is not a permanent situation, though it might feel like it is. It came to pass, verse 24 and verse number 4, as they, the women who had come to the tomb, were perplexed. Behold, two men shining in shining garments. I mean, if you got some glowing people in a graveyard, you got a problem. Okay, so it's dark outside. They're in the gar- They're in shining garments. What are they saying? Well, of course they were afraid. They bowed down their face to the earth. This is what the angels said to them, and it says this to you as well. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Let's say he is risen together. He is risen. A little louder. He is risen. He is risen. As we continue, it says, remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, Son of man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and crucified. The third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and they ran and told the disciples. Jesus is going to walk up to two of those disciples. He's going to have a conversation. We're going to listen into his conversation. But first, let's pray. God, we have worshipped you. We have read your word. Now we're praying. We pray that you would speak to us through your word. God, we thank you for the medium of the internet to be able to use that technology. We thank you for those listening on 90.5. We thank you for those who've made decisions all day today. Lord, the hundreds that have come and have heard your word. But God, we pray for these in this room. And God, we again, we thank you for those outside this room. But I pray for those in this room because I believe you're going to do something in their heart. And Lord, I don't know the burdens they brought into this place, but help them to realize that they can place their burdens at the foot of your cross because you're no longer hanging there. And God, they don't have to feel buried by their circumstances because, Lord, you're no longer buried. You rose from the dead. And I pray that today we would celebrate that by walking with you as you walked with those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Would you speak to us as you spoke to them. In Jesus' name, amen. The road to Emmaus is an actual road. 
I've actually stood at the entrance of the road to Emmaus. It's a road that would look like just any back road trail here in Palmdale. This is a picture of the road to Emmaus. As you walk up the stony road, there's many places with, uh, with, with Joshua trees growing right near there. There's, there's, there's olive trees. There's lots of different uh, shrubs that you would see uh, in the desert. I was walking up the property recently, and I remembered that we were covering the road to Emmaus, and, and, and I thought, you know what, this is just like the property. We just bought this property right around the corner from Highland High School on Elizabeth Lake Road, right before you get to Lazy Tea Ranch, and, and uh, I was thinking about the road that goes up to the uh, top of the p- property, and Lord willing, we'll be building a church building there very soon, but there's a road, I don't know if you can see in the middle of your screen, the palm nail in the background, the middle of the screen, there's a road that goes to the top. And that road is, is almost identical to the road to Emmaus. And that road was the road that two disciples, Cleopas, I'll call him Cleo for the message, and I believe it was Luke. The way it's written, we don't know that. Many early church fathers tell us and historians tell us that Luke, the one who wrote the book, the medical doctor turned historian who did all the research, who basically said, I want to give you many infallible proofs. He also wrote through the inspiration of, of, of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1, where he says, there are so many proofs of the resurrection that, that it's infallible. And the word infallible means you can try to disprove it, but you're going to have a really hard time. And I want you to understand that there are people that have always been trying to poke holes in the fact that did Jesus really come out of the grave? And I have people and I meet people all the time and we have some joining us even today that are my guests and I'm so thankful you're here and they are uh, currently on a journey where they're trying to decide, okay, do I believe in this Jesus thing or not? And I'm so thankful you're here. And I want to ask you three questions because I believe these three questions are the proof that you've been looking for, for whether or not this whole thing's true. Because I want to tell you something right now, that if this is not true, we're wasting our time. (laughs) We are wasting our time. But I want to ask three questions because these three questions prove the resurrection And I want you to ask these questions to yourself. You do the research. You come back to me. I would love to go on this journey with you. Number one, Jesus rose from the dead, and we can prove it when we ask the question, who moved the stone? Think about it. Who moved the stone? Did the disciples move the stone? They were shocked. In fact, they didn't even believe Jesus rose from the dead first. Did the religious leaders move the stone? No, they wanted Jesus to stay dead. Did Now, wait a second. There were a bunch of guards surrounding the stone. Did they move it? No. Where are they? That's the second question. Where are the religious leaders? Where, where, where are they? Where are the Roman guards? Why aren't there more people at the tomb saying, hey, uh, did someone move Jesus? Where's Jesus? And then the second question is, where was Jesus? Because <laughs> here's the thing. If no one saw Jesus, then listen, it's a lie. But did you know that over 500 different people saw Jesus on, on, on the days following the resurrection? They saw him. And, and, and even the writers of the, the gospel said, hey, just go ask some of the people who saw him. See if they're telling the truth or not. And so these are the proofs of the resurrection. Now, if we come to it as truth that we just read, and we say, wait a second, uh, Jesus wasn't there, 
and, and, and there's no body, but then they saw him, and we deduct that that means Jesus is alive. If Jesus is alive and no body is found, then we can ask ourselves another question, and that is, what does that mean to me? Now, i got to tell you something that happened this week. I was setting up with our student pastor, Pastor Joe, and we were getting everything together. We had a long list of stuff to do for Easter, and we were checking it off. And uh, we were getting a little hungry, so I decided to go get some health food at the Habit Burger, okay? I don't think they sell. They might sell salads. I've never had one, okay? But they're, but but we pull into the drive-thru, and I'm texting uh, with Pastor Joe, and, uh, and, and I was asking him what he wanted. And then I remembered that he was going through some stuff with storage, and I said, hey, look for the Easter bunny costume. Now, we know that, the, that Easter is not about the Easter bunny, okay? But we do want to celebrate with our kids because we want them to know that the resurrection's special. Now, I don't know what bunnies have to do with it, okay? But we like candy and we like the hunt and all that's fine. So we were looking for the... Now, previously, we had found two of the Easter bunny heads, but we couldn't find the body. So I'm in the drive-thru. Now, picture this. I'm pulling up. You guys cut me off. Uh, with, with the, here, here, put that, we'll talk about the text in just a minute. Man, they're, they're, they're ready to show you the text message, okay? So I'm pulling up to the window of the habit, and I, my window's down, and I'm using Siri, okay, which I normally try to do. If I test, text you something that, that you're like, that didn't sound like him. That was Siri. Blame it on Siri, okay? So, so I'm, I'm pulling up to the window, and I'm focused on my text, and I said to Joe, I said, he, I said, look for him. I said, there's two heads, but we can't find the body. And right when I said that, I realized the manager of the Habit in Lancaster is looking at me with huge eyes because I just said, we have two heads in storage, but we can't find the body. And this was my text message. So what happened was Siri was looking, and I'm looking at him, long pause. Siri's listening. He's listening. He's about to call the cops. And I just said, LOL? <laughs> LOL fixes everything, right? I mean, you can say whatever you want and then just say LOL. And, and he kind of looked at me and he stepped back and the window just kind of closed. And he's like, you know, should I give the guy the food? Should I call the cops? What should I do? Well, listen, the statement that I made to Pastor Joe on Thursday is true today. We can't find the body. No body was found in the tomb. When they got there, it was empty. And let me tell you something. Because the tomb was empty, you no longer have to be. God wants to fill you. And there might be an emptiness. There might be a void. You might be watching this now or later. And you might say, say like, man, I just feel like there's something missing. You ever woken up and you're just like, is this all there is? Like, really, is this all life has to offer? I, in the first service, the, the, the early service, I was talking about Tom Brady, and he had an interview where he asked that. After his fourth win, he's like, really, is this, is this it? I'm at the top. I mean, if you're a quarterback, you can't get any higher than Tom Brady. Now, I, listen, I'm not a fan, okay? I'm a Bronco fan, okay? We're going to be all riding Broncos when we come back with Jesus, okay? So that's, that's, my, that's my thought, born right outside Denver, right? But I will tell you this, that if someone who's achieved as much success as you could possibly achieve in a certain industry, sports, would look at his life and say, is this really all there is? All of us will come to that point. And when you get there, Jesus will be waiting and he will say, I emptied the tomb so that I could fill you. 
And God wants to fill you through the person of Jesus. Now, did you know that you can sum up the entire Bible with this one statement? That God sent his son Jesus to connect with you. You are disconnected from him if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I have some friends who are watching. And we've been talking about how to get to God. How to get to heaven. And some of them, uh, some of them believe that you have to work. Do good works. Now, I'm all for doing good. But I don't believe that if Jesus died to pay for my sins, that if I have to do something good to pay for them, then what I'm saying by doing something good is that what he did is not enough. You see that? He either did it and it's enough and it is finished, as he said on the cross, and he rose again to prove the power that he had to pay for your sins, or it wasn't, and everything we believe is in vain. So we're at this crossroads of whether or not we're going to believe. And these men who were walking, Cleopas and I believe uh, Luke, were walking from Jerusalem, and they were walking 13 miles, okay, round trip. They would come back, 14 miles round trip. But it was seven and a half miles one way. They were walking to the town of Emmaus. Okay? Now, we've already seen the road they were walking on, but how long is that? Seven miles. Well, you know what? It just so happens to be to one of my favorite places from this spot right here, Dunkin' Donuts. If you were to walk right here from Dunkin' Donuts, this is how long it would take you, depending on how, you know, the route you wanted to take, okay? But if you just went down 10th West, you would get to Dunkin' Donuts and be able to have what I love a blueberry donut. If you've never had a blueberry donut, I am not paid to say this, but I will tell you, if there are any more blueberry donuts out there, please save me one. I haven't had one today, okay? So that's, that's a blessing. In this passage, we're gonna see how Jesus blessed the bread. If you're gluten-free, I'm so sorry, Jesus blessed bread, okay? But let me tell you this, that if you walk there, right about when you get to the AV Mall, that's about where Jesus showed up to these two disciples. And he showed up to them, and, 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 and look at this, verse number 17, 16, sorry. Let's go back one more, 15. And it came to pass that while they continued together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near. So Jesus is teleporting into their conversation. Have you ever had someone in public just kind of, you could tell you they were eavesdropping in your conversation. You're like, okay, all right, this isn't your convo. All right, let's back up a little. All right, so, so Jesus teleports into the conversation. Do they recognize him? No, because verse 16, their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, so this is the red letter love. This is his words. Red letters in my Bible show the fact that Jesus is speaking, and he's speaking a word of love. And the word of love that he speaks is a question. Many times Jesus asks a question. And this question he's asking to them, but he wants to ask it to you as well. And the question he asks is, what manner of communications are these? You have one for another as you walk and are sad. So, so he's asking three questions, and these are the three questions that we should all ask when we're disappointed, when we're depressed, when, when, when we're really having a moment of an unmet expectation. These are the three questions we, we should ask. Why are you sad? What, what, what's the reason? What's the reason you're sad? And, and, and then he asks, what's on your mind? Like, what's really, what are you contemplating? He's even going to ask, what things are you thinking about? But then he's asking, what's dominating your conversations? 
You know, many times the things we talk about, the things we're conversing with others, the first thing off our lips is many times the first thing on our heart. You know, the Bible says that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. These men were depressed. They were sad. And you know, Jesus wanted them to know that sadness is not a sin, but sadness is not an end destination that because of the resurrection, because he is risen, now we have a remedy for our sadness. Now we have a remedy for the problems that we face. And every remedy in the Gospels and in the Bible is Jesus connecting you to God and the power and, the, and, and what he wants to do in and through his spirit. Now, we're going to talk about all that that I just said. But the first, I want to talk to the parents just for a minute. We have some parents that are watching online. I tried to give a shout out to some of them online. Uh, but but I, want, I want to talk to all the parents in the room as well. Okay, and if you're not a parent, give me 30 seconds. Here's a parenting key. Jesus asked a lot of questions. One of the greatest ways to connect with children and to really find out what's going on in your, in your child's heart is to ask questions. Questions stir the conscience. It's, it, it's a way to get under the surface. It's a way to see kind of where they're at. In, in two weeks, we're going to have a family conference, and I'm going to be speaking on post-pandemic parenting. I need that, folks. Post-pandemic parenting. Uh, how, how many of you have had some struggles during the pandemic? My hand is up, okay? But listen, all of us need to connect with God. How do we do that? We, we, we do that through asking questions. We do that uh, through beginning to have conversations. And if you never are talking about your disappointments, if you're hiding your heartaches, it'll only be harder to handle them. And that's why Jesus said, listen, cast all your cares upon me. He said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and, and I will give you rest, he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. And, and when our hearts are heavy and when they're, when, when they're burdened down, uh, we have to reveal what is burdening us down before he can. Can, he can uh, heal us of it. And so here's a key thought. Key thought's this. The only, the only way to be healed, and, and, and notice this, only what is revealed in God's presence through prayer, through, through, through just opening your heart to him, only what's revealed in God's presence can be healed in our hearts. If you're unwilling to bring it in God's presence, if you're unwilling to say, you know what, God, I have a problem. You know what, God, I, I need your help. You know what, God, I, I'm, a, I'm a broken mess. Whatever you're saying to him. By the way, there, there is no wrong prayer. You say, I just don't know, I, I don't like to pray because I don't really know what to say. Listen, God wants to hear your thoughts. And did you know that even when you come into his presence and you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit just basically helps you? He's, he's, he's relaying the message, and it's just a really good thing to come before him. And, and even when we're sad, even when we're down, see, the risen Savior does not ignore disappointment. He lovingly engages it, and he says, hey, what are you talking about? And they said, really? What are we talking about? What things? He says, are, are, where have you been? Jesus was playing dumb. You know, sometimes my kids are in here. Sometimes I'm guilty of that. I'll play dumb just to see how much they know. <laughs> just to see if they'll be honest. <clears throat> just to see if they'll be honest. It's a great tactic. Jesus was doing this. He's like, oh, what, 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 you, what things were you talking about? What things in Jerusalem were you talking about? And, and, and Cleopas is so amazed. Look at what it says in, in verse number 18. One of them named Cleopas answered and said, aren't thou a stranger in Jerusalem? It would be like if I walked up to you at Walmart or Target and said, Hey, 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 excuse me, why is everyone in masks? Like, you know, there's a pandemic. What, what pandemic? Uh, corona? I thought Corona was a city down by Riverside. Well, 
What's happening? Well, where You would say, where have you been? Have you been in a coma for 12 months? Like, where, did you just crawl out of a closet somewhere? Are you an alien? Like, what's happened to you? You don't know what's going on. They're looking at him like, are you a stranger? Where have you been? They look at verse 20. They, he, he, he was supposed to be a prophet. In verse 20, uh, the chief priests, they delivered him. They crucified him. And, and, and we trusted that he was the deliverer, the redeemer, verse 21. And, 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 but this is the third day. These things are done. It's over. It's all over. We're going home. Wrap it up. Verse 21, certain women also, they, they were astonished, and they came early to the sepulcher, but they found not the body. And angels said they were alive, but look, verse 24, last part. They saw him not. They didn't see him. Now, they, they, they didn't see him. Now, what's Jesus' response to that? Well, I want you to see, number one, number one, his presence is personally accessible. First, he says, hey, I'm gonna gonna give you guys my presence on this walk. I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna talk to you about the Bible. And so number one, I want you to write the blank, his presence. By the way, did you know his presence is personally available to you? It's not just available to a pastor. It's not just just available to someone who, you know, goes to church all the time. God wants you to know that he wants a relationship with you. His presence is personally available. Available. And so not only is his presence personally available, it's, it's, it's accessible to you for a reason, for a purpose. And if you're wanting to fix yourself and assuming that you can, these assumptions are very dangerous. In fact, um, the assumptions, there are six assumptions in the verses I just read. Assumptions about Jesus only being a prophet. Assumptions about Jesus not having the might that he said he did. Assumptions about him not being greater than the religious leaders. They killed him and he, he just... He, he's dead. It's over. Uh, assumptions about uh, the fact that he wasn't, claim, he wasn't who he claimed to be. Assumptions about uh, the fact that no one had seen him. They were just making assumptions. Nothing will ruin your relationships more than assumptions. And when we assume that we can fix ourselves, that's the worst assumption of all. I walked into my backyard uh, a, a few years, a couple years ago, and Chandler was driving around this little, uh, this, this little plastic toy John Deere. Now, John Deere's great, right? I mean, you just, John Deere is, is I grew up in Iowa. John, you know, you just, you, you like having a John Deere, even if it's a toy. You know, it's just a really good boy thing to have. And so he's back there, and he had taken two tires. And I think we have a picture of it. He had propped up the, the, the side, and he had my tools, and he's under the John Deere. And I look under there. I thought it was plastic, and I look under there, it's just plastic. There's nothing under there. There's no wires. And I said, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm fixing it. And he's just like turning a wrench, but in the air, you know, not doing anything. You're just pretending. You're, you're, you're not fixing anything. You're just acting like you're fixing anything. Can I tell you something? That a lot of people are pretending like they're fixing themselves. They're pretending like they have all the answers. They have all the tools. I want to tell you that if anyone stands in front of you and says they can do it on their own, that is pretending. That's an assumption. But I want you to know that Jesus rose again from the dead, and he says, hey, I can fix you. You don't have to, just based on your assumptions, feel like you can do it on your own. You don't have to. My presence is here for you. And so here's an action item. I would encourage you 
whatever relationship, and here's, let's go to the relationship key first. Let me help some relationships. Relationship at work, relationship at home, relationship with your Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Here's a relationship key. Every fractured relationship is partly to blame or partly the result of a false assumption. I will tell you, when you make false assumptions, when you have an expectation that's not communicated, it's a problem. I do a lot of counseling where, again, we're having the family conference in a couple weeks, and I would encourage all of you to be there. But I will tell you, this will help a marriage. This will help a relationship with someone at work. This will help you. And Jesus knew they were making some false assumptions, and he was going to call them out on it. And he's about to call them out on it. They had some unmet expectations. They were sad and disappointed. And so here's an action item. I would encourage you, communicate an expectation to eliminate a future frustration. You will always be frustrated. I will always be frustrated if I'm not willing to communicate, hey, this is the expectation I have at work, at home, with your children, all right? Even with God. God, I'm expecting you to come through, and I need you. If you don't, I need you to tell me why. I need you to tell me, help me, give me some, give me some help, God. You need to communicate with God your expectations. So his presence is personally accessible. Number two, his promises are truly reliable. They're truly reliable. Now, he, he's going to get a little bit, this is tough love here in verse 25. Look what he says. Jesus says unto them, oh, fools. Whoa, oh, oh, Jesus, whoa, calm down. <laughs> oh, fools. I mean, could you, you know, just tell us how you really feel, right? Okay, oh, fools, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have saying. The word slow of heart is bradis cardia. It literally means to have little wind in your sails. Not so quick, okay? You're not gonna go so quick, all right? So, so, so this is what he's saying. You're, you're, you're hearing the word, you're reading the word, but you're not really wanting to believe it. You're slow to believe what the Bible says. And I meet a lot of people and they say, well, no, I, I, I get that. I get the Jesus. I get the whole church thing. I just don't, I don't think it's like the whole miracles. I think that was just kind of embellishment over the years. I want to tell you that his promises are not embellishment. I want to tell you that there are over 2,000 promises made in the Bible, and every single one of them are true. Every time God has made a prediction, it has been true. Every time that God has uh, told us something in the Bible, he's told us because it is true. In the 1950s, there was a man named Peter Stoner, and he started realizing that every prediction the Bible had ever made had come to pass. And he thought, wow, what are the odds of that? And so this astrophysicist wrote a book entitled Science Speaks. If you want to buy it, it's $117 on Amazon. Okay? It's a collector item now. Okay, but, but I will tell you, it's an amazing read. You can borrow my copy. <laughs> But I will tell you that one of the things he does, he spends an entire chapter telling you the probability of just 16 of the 300 specific predictions coming to pass. And the probability of that is if you put a, an entire planet together and made one hole where an astronaut could come in and you blindfolded the astronaut and you said, put your finger on one dot, blindfolded. And if you get the dot, that's the probability 
of just 16 of these coming to pass. The planet's size, oh yeah, it wouldn't fit in between the sun and earth. That is a big planet. These are the planets. And if you look at these planets, just imagine a massive planet making the sun look like a little pea. And if you hopped in an astronaut suit and you just, you know, floated your way over and landed on a dot in a massive planet, billions of times larger than the Earth, and you just happen to put your finger on one dot, that's the probability. It's like, you know, 10 trillion to the 10th power. It's like the huge number. So it just so happens that just 16, that's just 16, folks. He tried to explain how all 300 coming to pass. I didn't get it. It was like electrons or something. I, I didn't get it. Okay? The point is, his promises are reliable. And if what he says is true, what he says about you is true as well. And so here's a key thought. Our greatest daily decision is to refocus our attention on the promises of God. To refocus our attention on the promises of God. And so here's an action item. Connect every problem to, the, to one of God's promises. God makes a promise about every problem you're facing. God makes a promise about every pressure, about every disappointment, about every person who's hurt you. God makes a promise. And you can either focus on the pressure, you can focus on the problem, or you can focus on his promises. So his presence and his promises give peace. Give peace. And so that's number three. Number one, his presence, man, it's accessible. Number two, his promises, man, they're truly reliable. Number three, his peace is freely available. His peace is freely available. Now, can I just talk to you, and, and, and some of you are brand new, and, and we even have some of my guests that are watching, and I'm thankful that you're here. But I want to pastor some of those who come here regularly and tell you that our society, and specifically Palmdale, is filled with anxiety. We already talked about sadness and depression in the first point. Filled with anxiety. There's not a week that goes by where I don't pray with someone who's having a panic attack because they just feel overwhelmed. And I want to I lean into this because the third thing Jesus said is recorded here. And I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to see it because Jesus is walking with them. He's talking to them about the promises, verse 27. He's saying, don't you know that Christ suffered these things and is entered in glory? Verse 26. Verse 27, he, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he just started expounding the scriptures and talking concerning himself. Now, they still don't know this is Jesus. They just think this is a random guy that showed up and started talking about the Bible. They drew nigh to the village where they were going to go, and he made as though they were going to, he was going to go further. He, he wasn't going to go if they weren't going to invite him. By the way, Jesus only goes where he's invited. Okay, Verse 29 and they constrained him to abide with us. Please stay with us. Keep talking to us. And it came to pass as he sat at the meal, he, he took the bread and he blessed it. I told you, bread is blessed, okay? So you have the donuts. Calories don't count on Easter. No, they do, okay? Verse 20, 30, uh, verse 21, 31. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of the sight. So right when they figure out who he is, poof, he's gone. Where'd he go? And so what did they do? Did they stay there? No. 
seven and a half miles back. And as they're walking back, they said, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us? And they're like, of course it did. That was Jesus. He was walking with us. And we, were, we didn't know the whole time. They rose and they went to Jerusalem and they gathered together. And as they were there, they said, The Lord is risen indeed, and he hath appeared to Simon. And they, he told us these things, and, 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 and he broke bread with us. And then in verse number 36, he says this, and they're, as they're speaking, as they did thus speak, Jesus himself, here he is teleporting again. He just, poof, right in the middle, in the midst of them, saith, Peace be unto you. Let's say that together. Peace be unto you. Say it again. Peace be unto you. Let me tell you, peace is possible. Peace is available. It's freely available for all that would want it. And we live in a world that does not have peace. And so here's a key thought. A lot of the world, even some of my psychologist friends in the Antelope Valley are saying to people, the problem is your fear. Listen, peace is not the complete absence of fear. This is a key thought. But the presence of something greater. You have peace in spite of fear. Everyone fears. Everyone has things, pressures, difficulties. Life's hard. Adulting is hard. I, I see that sweatshirt all over, the t-shirt. The Adulting's hard, okay? Well, yeah, it is, okay? But, but, but let me just say that, that there's always something greater. And Jesus' resurrection proves what is greater. It proves what we are supposed to be focused on. He, he said, I have come that you might have peace, John 16, 33. In the world, you have tribulation. Listen, you have trials, you have problems, you have disappointments, you have things that bring anxiety, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He overcame the world when he stepped out of the grave. He is risen today. And because he overcame death, sin, Satan, and the grave, we can be overcomers as well. Is there anyone thankful today that you can be an overcomer? That's what we're celebrating today. Jesus is our overcomer, and now we can be an overcomer. A lot of people don't overcome, though, because overcoming looks a lot like repentance. Any encounter with Jesus requires a turning point. So I'm going to ask those on the radio listening on 90.5 to look up our website because I have something for you there. I'm going to ask those online, okay, to be ready to make a decision because this is your turning point. I'm going to tell a story and then we're done. When I was 16 years old, I was in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. My parents have some family there. I was working with a family friend and my parents had booked me a Greyhound bus to travel five hours, 16, travel five hours back down to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Now, putting aside their, you know, total irresponsibility as parents, no, I'm kidding, they're watching. Uh, love you, guys. Um, but putting aside that, here I am, it's like, Four in the morning, five in the morning, I'm sitting in this station. This is the exact station there in St. Paul. I, I, I'm sitting, looking at the doors, all numbered. I'm sitting next to a man in a suit, Greyhound logo on his jacket. We're eating breakfast. He's eating breakfast. I'm eating breakfast. Pre-COVID, of course, okay? And there's hundreds of people. I, honestly, maybe even thousands. I'm a little overwhelmed. 
And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, uh, he's like, hey, where are you heading? And I said, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And he's like, oh, that's my bus. You're on my bus. I'm your driver. Great. So what door do we go through? Door number two. Door number two. Finished my breakfast, walked through door number two, walked onto the bus, waited there. Okay, there were supposed to be three people on my row. There were five. Probably, bus probably sat 100. There had to be easily 150 people on the bus. Just piled on top of, on top of everyone, okay? Put COVID aside. That's just not right, okay? So, so <clears throat> here I am. I'm sitting outside the station. I think we have a picture. On the bus, okay? I don't, not a picture of me, but just like a Greyhound bus, okay? I'm not like chronicling this, okay? I didn't blog or anything. No, so, so here I am. <clears throat> picture me on this bus, and I'm sitting there waiting for the driver, and all of a sudden, another driver gets on. I'm like, huh, he said he was driving me. Huh. Maybe his breakfast wasn't good. Maybe he's not. Maybe I should be glad he's not driving me. Okay, no big deal. Sitting there, waiting, waiting, waiting. Bags underneath. Finally, we pull out, take off, and the driver, he's like, it's a beautiful day here in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul on our way to Omaha, Nebraska. Now, I didn't know a lot about geography, but I knew Omaha, Nebraska is not by Cedar Rapids, Iowa. In fact, it's six hours. I was going further away to another state. Now, you got you to get this. There's 150 people on a 100-person bus, and I'm in the back with five people in my row, and all of them were bigger than me. I'll just leave it there. So here I am, and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, I got to get off this bus, or I got to get the bus to turn around. So I'm literally pushing bodies out of the way to get to the front of the bus. I have my backpack, and I'm smacking people in the back of the head, you know? And they're real happy about that, you know? And I get to the front. The bus driver, uh, uh, son, sit down. You know, I'm like, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong bus. He's like, well, you'll have to hop another bus in Omaha. And I'm like, no, not going to do that. Please turn the bus around. I'm not turning this bus around. I said, please stop the bus. He's like, I'm not stopping the bus. I said, I'm getting off this bus. <laughs> I didn't want to be on it anyway, okay? But I wanted to get home. I'm in the worst section, if you know anything about St. Paul, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, down by the bus station. Yeah, just don't, just don't hang out there. I hung out there for an entire day waiting for another bus to go to Mason City, Iowa. And, and I'm, just, I'm just so, and I'm like, I hope I run into the bus driver that told me to get on bus number two. Anyway, long story short, I, I hop a bus, I get home. But you know, I was thinking about that this week. That if I didn't get off that bus, it would have taken me a lot longer to get home. In fact, I don't even know if I would have gotten home. I, I, I will tell you this. That there's a home in heaven. Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, there you can go and become, be with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But I will tell you this. There are many people on the wrong bus. They're on the bus of religion. 
They're on the bus of their own good work. They're on the bus of I hope so. But I'm telling you, the resurrection tells us there's only one bus, and it's not through door number two. It's through door number one, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And when you get on his bus, let me tell you, yeah, there's going to be bumps in the road, but I'll tell you that Jesus is your driver, and he's taking you to a better place. I'm telling you, no matter what happens, no matter what trial comes, no matter what happens in your life or to you, you have you can have the guarantee of a home in heaven. You can have a guarantee that with him as your driver, all is well. There is peace in the promise and presence of God when you know you're on the right bus with the right destination. That is what we're celebrating today. That is what we're celebrating today. And so the last thing he said is peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. And so everyone has a turning point. Maybe some of you have a turning point of turning from what you were trusting in Jesus and, and turn to Jesus. Maybe some of you need to turn away from your, your, your obsession with your problems, your, obses your obsession on resentment, your, res your obsession with control. Maybe some of you, are, that's your turning point today. But Easter 21 is all about a turning point because Jesus had the greatest turning point in history. He went from total death confirmed dead. Some people say, no, he was, he was just swimming. He was sleeping. Yeah. Okay. You, you shove a, a spear into your heart and then you go sleep for three days. See how you do. So, so let me just say this. We all need to write down, here's an action item, write down your turning point. Now, if you're sitting at home, okay, or you're driving, if you're driving, okay, just tell someone else to write it down. Okay. We don't want any accidents, but, but, but let me, let me tell you, if you're here, there's a little my response at the bottom of the page. I want everyone to write down a turning point. Everyone, write down a turning point. Some of you say, man, my heart is burning inside me. And it's not because I ate chorizo for breakfast. Okay? It's not heartburn. My heart is burning as the disciples because I need Jesus. I've been trusting in something my whole life. And friends, I have, there are dozens of people here who used to be trusting a religious system and you're with good company because they stopped trusting religion and they stopped trusting in a pastor or in a church and they just started trusting in a risen Savior. And if you're here and there were lots who, who did this in the first service and I'm gonna make it completely simple for you. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior in a moment, we're all gonna pray and we're all gonna bow our heads and I'm gonna give you a chance at home on 90.5 and in this room to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But here's the takeaway and then we're finished. And that is this, a resurrection of living out God's promises. When, when we have a resurrection, when we have a turning point to say, I'm gonna live out God's promises, it brings new life. Everyone say new life. It brings new life to our peace. A lot of people are like, I just don't have peace. And let me tell you, new life is your missing piece. It really is. It's the missing piece you've been longing for. If you're like, man, there's gotta be something more. I'm, I'm missing something. You're missing this, that new life only comes through Jesus Christ. New life only comes through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook 
under the handle Five New Life. Have an amazing day.